0: Hello, everyone. Um, Please uh, welcome to the stage. Um, I'm uh, Marina Hatsopoulos from the Hellenic Innovation Network, which is hosting this event under the auspices of Greece 2021 with the support of MIT Enterprise Forum Greece and the Consulate General of Greece in Boston. Hellenic Innovation Network is a global community of Greeks and technology helping to build a bridge for Greek startups, and you can connect with us at hellenic.org. We are so honored today to welcome Minister of Digital Governance Pia to be introduced by Ambassador Papadopoulou. Ambassador, please welcome to the stage. Thank you. Um, Minister Pia dear friends, It is a pleasure to be with you today in this webinar organized by the Hellenic Innovation Network, a group of dedicated professionals and technology entrepreneurs who seek to build bridges between the US diaspora and the Greek tech community. I was honored and I had distinct pleasure to meet some of you while I visited Boston, and I hope to meet all of you in my next trip. I would like to thank all the members of the Hellenic Innovation Network and the MIT Enterprise Forum of Greece, because with the support of the Consulate General of Greece in Boston, you have built an innovative network and mentoring space, promoting an emerging innovation ecosystem, promoting new enterprises and startups. I believe that there is an opportunity to expand this initiative further and bring together the two U.S. coasts in order to promote better the networking of our tech and startup communities in the U.S. And Stratos Erthimio, uh, my very good colleague who is Consul General in Boston, uh, is working on this project together with uh, the new Consul General of Greece in San Francisco. I'm truly honored to welcome the Minister of State and Digital Governance, Mr. Kyriakos Pierakakis, to the U.S. for this virtual meeting. I hope that sooner uh, we will have the opportunity for an in-visit person by him in the United States. Uh, I'm pretty sure he knows, uh, uh, he's very well aware how uh, his reputation uh, is expanding outside Greece uh, because he's accomplishing a miracle. In my age uh, and uh, with the experience I have with Greek uh, uh, government services, uh, what uh, Minister Pierakakis has done in the last couple of years uh, is truly miraculous. Uh. Uh, Mr. Pierre is a graduate of Harvard Kennedy School and MIT and knows very well the US educational system and the Boston innovation ecosystem. In Greece, he served as the director of research at the Aneosis, an independent and prestigious think tank. As minister in the cabinet of Prime Minister Mitsotakis, Greece has been accelerating its digital governance, working to ensure the interoperability of state records to provide citizens with quality services and minimize inconvenience for the general public. Minister Pierakakis has been radically simplifying citizens' interactions with the government from birth to marriage and other life transitions. During the pandemic, the Greek government catalyzed digitization efforts. Greece has a state-of-the-art booting system for vaccination appointments, which has been working flawlessly. Here in the U.S., our diaspora has already been witnessing the fruits of these reforms. My Consul Life, the online teleconference platform, which is already operational on the Consulate General of Greece in New York and Boston, will soon be available for all consulates in the US. With this, I would like to ask Mr. Bletches to kindly coordinate the discussion with the Minister. Mr. Minister, welcome and thank you for your presence here.
1: Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, as you said, uh, the Minister has been extremely successful and uh, that success has not been out of luck. Uh, Minister Pyrakakis might be one of the most, certainly is one of the most prepared public officials for the very big job that he took upon uh, that I have ever seen. Uh, Minister Pyrakakis studied uh, computer science at the Athens University of uh, Economics and Business. Then uh, came to Boston, where he studied technology policy, uh, mostly at MIT, Uh, he also attended that other university up the river from MIT, we are not going to hold that against him. Returned to Greece, worked for the government, worked at the office of uh, uh, Vangelis Venizelos during the Samaras Venizelos government. Uh, Then he started studying what are all the problems with Greece in uh, heading uh, the very successful think tank, the analysis, uh, producing very interesting and very useful reports. So I can think of another person that uh, went into his position with the energy, but also the knowledge uh, that uh, Minister Pirakakis had. Uh, he, always surprises us with new services. Uh, Everybody has seen the positive effect in the everyday life of Greeks in the middle of a very big challenge that the pandemic presents to an already challenged country. And uh, hopefully today he will have some more new things (laughs) to announce for us. Uh, With that, uh, Minister, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you so much uh, for uh, the invitation the Hellenic Innovation Network and uh, for your very kind introductions. Ambassador Papadopoulou, Michael Bledsas, uh, whom even though he's quite young has taught us a lot, especially to those of us uh, who have been studying technology policy uh, for years and uh, we have had the chance to implement some of his visions. Uh, And uh, to be frank, uh, digital transformation has been uh, one of the core components of what was missing in Greece for quite a long time, especially as uh, crystallized in administrative burdens, as crystallized what uh, the ambassador said before, elevated levels of bureaucracy. And uh, we figured that uh, in our preparation, uh, as Michael Blatter said, which was a core component, I think, behind the, the success of this ministry, we started uh, both recruiting the team and developing the plan quite before the election of 2019, I have to say, um, almost a year back, uh, we figured that we needed to set a full spectrum of KPIs, of key performance indicators, which uh, would be effectively the measure of the potential success. And there it was quite clear that we needed to combine new functions, create a new organization, a new ministry, there was a Ministry of Digital Government existing in the previous minist- in the previous administration as well, but uh, f- the functions were different to a very large extent. So we decided to change those functions completely, uh, focus a lot on service design and how processes of the state need to be redesigned, simplified, changed in order to enable citizens and uh, help them in their interactions with the state. Uh, telecommunications, obviously, being a core component as well of this uh, of this ministry, and uh, we set a full spectrum of goals. Uh, those goals involved the development of a government portal, gov.gr. We launched the uh, this portal uh, last March, almost a bit more than a year ago. Simultaneously with the first lockdown in Greece, we actually had to accelerate the launch of the service by a couple of months. On day one, the service had 501 various of digital services already being offered. It was quite interesting for us, I have to say, that even the very move of bringing pre-existing services together under a single roof, under a single uh, government portal, which it's not a very comprehensive job. It's something quite simple to do. It was actually quite significant because the vast majority of citizens lacked knowledge of the fact that those services previously existed. So we had to make an assessment, and we had to make um, a process of gathering these services together and uh, and uh, seeing which one works well and which one doesn't. And then we started adding new, adding new services. We did that in accordance with the Pareto rule, that uh, 20% of one thing can be 80% of another thing. So there are certain services which are more frequent, I wouldn't say popular, than others, the power of attorney. The ambassador mentioned this uh, before. The Parvaterni is one of the key s- services all over the world. So, this was one of the first services that we started. It was actually service 502. And now, a year later, a bit more than a year later, we have 1,150 services in the government portal. Uh, we have uh, data that back up the full impact. Uh, if one adds up how many times one used the taxes network credentials, the login, let's say, of the Greek state, together with the calls in our interoperability platform, one can have, let's say, a sense of the volume of electronic transactions. The interoperability platform is the number of, is the system that we use internally within the state so that we eliminate asking citizens for specific documents. So if you add those two numbers up in 2018, the number added up to 8.8 million, let's say electronic services. Those were 8.8 million visits not made So this 8.8 million in 2018 became 94 million in 2020. This is a leap of times 11. Uh, Obviously the pandemic acted as an accelerator in this regard because the state had to continue operating. It had to continue working as we had to ensure business continuity we also had for businesses. We also had to ensure state continuity. And in this regard, uh, we figured that uh, what was necessary before what what was essential actually what was needed what was asked by the citizens before to have a state that acts as a catalyst as an accelerator as an enabler let's say rather than an impediment this became something absolutely essential during the during the lockdowns and during uh, fighting the pandemic Uh, let me also add up to this that uh, there there is an article written by Yuval Harari I believe in the financial times almost a bit more than a year back Well, what he essentially wrote was that, uh, after a couple of years, the pandemic will be over, but what will remain are your digital choices, Uh, the policy choices that states will make, uh, especially on the technology policy front, uh, which will more or less stick even after the pandemic has passed. So what the prime minister and his cabinet and all of us at the Ministry of Digital decided to do was that uh, we wanted to continue a pre-existing strategy a strategy of enabling citizens, a strategy of empowering citizens, and render it also a tool to battle the virus, because we knew that as we were eliminating digital interactions, as we were eliminating physical interactions with state gishes and state organizations, we were effectively also limiting, uh, uh, let's say, the possibility to contract the virus. Apart from also serving citizens uh, well, uh, Gov.gr has been, I think, the key element of our proposition. It's uh, the new facet of the state. It's the new face of the state. Uh, It's also interesting philosophically to see that if one made a comparison with the previous status quo uh, in reality, let's say in an event of your life, when uh, the Greek state asked you to visit five gishes, five public organizations for five different documents or 15 or 22 or 23 on certain occasions. In reality, the state is telling you that it has 23 instances, that you have 23 versions of the same thing, which don't speak well to each other, which don't interoperate in the language of informatics. And um, in reality, this is also, uh, it also tells you a couple of things about how the state operates and about how much you should be trusting it. So we figured that as we're using these technologies, there's very simple technologies actually, uh, those very simple interoperability platforms, we're recreating Uh, the way the state works uh, through uh, a single point of reference. And we figure that this is also quite interesting in order to be reestablishing trust towards institutions and towards uh, the state functions themselves. Gov.GR has been, I think, the key proposition. We also, I think, uh, innovated uh, vis-a-vis our 5G uh, policy, our transition to fifth generation networks because they are very briefly what we attempted to do Uh, was that instead of only focusing on the auction of the spectrum, which is what most states are actually trying to do, we concluded that auction, by the way, before last year was out, before 2020 was out, instead of only focusing on this, however, we felt that there was a core element missing. And the, the core element is the value that will be generated by those networks and what we can do as a government, as a country, or more broadly, what any country can do in order to generate this value. Because in reality, the value will not come from the auctions. The value will come by a full spectrum of applications on 5G, which will be developed in the coming years, not by government officials, obviously. Uh, they will be generated by people like Michael Bletschers or by people who are watching us, uh, entrepreneurs, researchers, uh, knowledgeable, uh, know- knowledgeable individual, individuals vis-a-vis the specific technologies. But we figure that there is a role that the state needs to play as well. So in this regard, we felt uh, that we needed to develop a policy to to be taught uh, by policies similar to the ones that Israel developed, let's say, in a couple of decades back, with regards to the development development of its ecosystem. So there we ran a study, and in that study we found out that specifically for Greece, up until 2030, 5G networks can generate, the study said, up to 12.4 billion euros and up to 69,000 jobs. How will this value be generated? By the the telecom networks themselves? No, by the vertical sectors of the economy. We know certain applications already, automated vehicles or uh, robotic surgery uh, by distance. Most of them we don't know. So there, uh, our line of thought entailed two policy ideas. The first one is unique so far, the second one isn't. Uh, The non-unique is that we reserve the portion of the spectrum uh, access to which we're offering up for free uh, to startups, uh, universities, research centers, etc. A couple of other countries are also doing that. Uh, We figured that this is actually quite smart because you are offering up uh, a valuable asset that the state controls in order to produce innovative uh, products and services. The second idea, though, involved us endowing a fund with 25% of the proceeds of the auction. We call that fund the Festos fund. And there this fund will also fund is is actually currently fundraising from the private sector as well, Uh, but this fund will be investing in the 5G sphere, in the 5G ecosystem as well. And in this way, we figured that this was the best possible route, or at least this is the way in which we have envisioned it, instrumentalizing an auction in order to generate a market. In this regard, this policy on 5G is quite coherent and uh, we're audacious and uh, optimistic that uh, it will prove to be a success uh, on policy design. Uh, a final point on uh, a couple of uh, other, a couple of final points on other ideas that we feel can also generate interesting discussions, I think is what uh, the ambassador said, our platform on vaccinations. This proved to be an exercise in service design. Uh, Obviously, it's the most difficult logistics exercise after World War II globally, not only for Greece, uh, for countries which have already established logistics uh, capabilities, but also for countries which which don't. And in this regard, we figured that there were a couple of challenges where digital policy could play a significant role. Uh, An obvious challenge involves logistics per se, how these vaccines can reach all parts of the country and how you can fully monitor uh, how they're being provisioned. Uh, but there was also another challenge, the challenge of matching those vaccines uh, to the individuals who want to be vaccinated on the ba- on the basis of uh, a specific, uh, let's say, rank ordering that uh, the experts are providing us with, uh, the medical experts. In this regard, we built a vaccination platform. Most states have developed vaccination platforms, others more successful than others, but they're in, a, in effect, we developed four channels where citizens can book their appointments. Two of them are digital, two of them are, are uh, physical. And this involved, I think, three quite wise policy decisions. Uh, the first channel is the platform itself, which is, which is self-evident. The second digital channel uh, involves a mechanism, a system which we developed, a new prescription system. This was developed a bit a year ago. Which was not a new system. It was an extension of a pre existing system, uh, a system on e prescriptions that was developed in Greece almost a decade ago, uh, but which never deployed an extension where citizens could receive their prescriptions by their doctors on their mobile phones via SMS or via email. So, by doing this extension, in reality, we created a full spectrum of possibilities. And we figured that as, as you're enrolled in the e-prescription system, we know your address, you have already provided it to us. We know your cell phone, your, your cell phone number. So we can reach you and offer you a proposed appointments, actually two proposed appointments uh, for the vaccine. So this was the second channel. And 2 million Greeks have already enrolled in the e-prescription uh, system, explicitly because they figured that it was the best uh, path to book that appointment for the vaccine. So we had two digital channels And then uh, we had the the challenge, I think, uh, of what we would be doing with those who are not digitally skilled or uh, those who don't have digitally skilled people to help them. And I think probably the wisest decision was not to use a call center because we figured quite early that call centers wouldn't work. uh, Especially because we would be starting by the most elderly, so they would be calling massively during the first days uh, when the specific age groups would be eligible. And uh, so the decision was not to use a call center. And then the second question became, so what's the alternative? And we figured that uh, the fact that Greece has 11,000 pharmacy stores all over the country with established relationships between the pharmacy store owners and uh, the local population could prove to be an asset in booking these appointments. So we enabled uh, booking appointments through pharmacy stores and also through the 1000 plus citizen service centers that exist throughout the country. In this regard, we developed a very cohesive system, uh, which works. It obviously has challenges because every system has challenges. But I think that uh, the success of the team that has developed it uh, is evident on the basis of fixing and meeting these challenges and fixing every issue that arises in a very short period of time. Now, having said all this, I think, uh, and I'll close my brief uh, let's say initial remarks uh, with the fact that what we're trying to achieve i think is a small victory a small service a small change every day for instance today uh, i just came back to my office from a presentation at the prime minister's office uh, where we launched a new service which we call Know your customer it involves a simplification not of the public sector per se, of the interaction between Greek citizens and uh, the domestic banks. because on an annual basis, Greeks had to provide uh, tax information to their banks, they had to provide any changes to their ID documents, any changes to their employment status. And they had to do that physically. By physically visiting uh, an office, a branch of a local branch of a bank. So now the systems of the banks are connected to our interoperability platform and citizens can provide if they want their consent uh, so that banks can have access to that data without having uh, citizens physically visit the banks. I think that this is especially useful for the Greek diaspora, but it's obviously useful for for all of us. And uh, it's another small victory in an accumulation of different digital services mapped by this number at the gov.gr platform, because now from 501, uh, we have escalated to what 1,150 services, almost. And I'm typically wrong vis-a-vis this number because when I speak uh, at events because typically the number is a couple of services more than what I expect because they keep piling up and uh, adding up. Uh, we tend to be more vocal about the most significant of them or the most uh, frequently used of them. But the overall idea is that um, digital policy and uh, simple ideas and primarily – service design because in reality I think that we shouldn't be speaking about the terminology of digital policy rather than the terminology of service design. uh, What we're trying to do is to change the design of the how services are being provisioned to citizens and corporations in Greece. Uh, I think that uh, this can be a significant burning platform for an overall revamping uh, of the state and an overall change uh, of philosophy of how the Greek state serves its citizens. Of course it's an ongoing process we understand that uh, uh, since I'm, uh, I'm also, I also have the opportunity to be speaking here with Michael Gletches, who has written a lot about AI. Most of the things that we're doing involve the third industrial revolution, not the third, not the fourth industrial revolution. They involve a gap analysis with the past and how we're actually eliminating this gap. We're trying to do this as fast as possible, but at the same time we're trying not to miss, uh, as we say in Greek, the next train or the next trains. And if possible, we're, we're trying to be on the first wagons. And in this regard, I feel that our policy on 5G is targeted in that direction. But obviously, there's a whole lot more that we need to do. uh, And uh, we're quite eager to achieve it. Uh, Those are some first thoughts. And I'm obviously quite eager to hear your questions and remarks.
1: Well, uh, living in Massachusetts and uh, having to go through the vaccine Hunger Games in order to get vaccinated, I can personally attest to the effectiveness of the Greek uh, platform. And especially, I will go back to what you just said, which is, yes, we have to focus on service design, not you know, technology details as we used to do in the past. Uh, uh, the minister gave me a good uh, pass though, because he mentioned the third uh, industrial uh, revolution. And uh, you know, one of the original or the first goal that I see in the digital strategy document is access to the internet. And when it comes to access to the internet, uh, Greece is in a pretty bad place. I don't know how to tell it more gently. Uh, Fixed broadband. If we look at the current numbers, I looked at the numbers yesterday again at UCLA. by the way, correlated those numbers with the numbers from the Greek uh, regulators' system, and they agree to the large extent. But we have the following paradox in Greece uh, our fixed broadband uh, is around 97 in the world, in the total world. We are the last developed country in speeds. Uh, yesterday's data download speeds 30 around 35 megabits, the average uploads around seven. With a very interesting thing, the latency on the fixed broadband is higher than the latency on the mobile speeds. The mobile speeds, by the way, are higher in Greece in both downloads and uploads. Today, not with 5G, today. We saw that because of the providers uh, stepping in Zero rating the schooling teleconferencing applications and allowing the schools to operate in Greece. And you know, the remote operation of schools was quite successful in Greece. We have to say that we are among the most successful countries. I saw more problems here in Massachusetts where our broadband is much better than the one in Greece, and because the mobile operators did uh, uh, step in now. Is everything okay? And that will probably justify your focus on 5G. However, there is a very big and flatulent elephant in the room. And that uh, elephant is called the $12 per gigabyte of average mobile data cost in Greece, which is among the highest in the world. Where your example, Israel, is 12, 11 cents per gigabyte in mobile costs. So when that's the situation, uh, I have to bring into question the strategy on focusing on 5G and not on fiber deployment. I'm looking at the Greece 2.0 plan for the European Recovery Fund, and they are only 1.5% of the total funds allocated through subsidies and uh, loans are available for broadband, for example, fiber, where the amount allocated to roads is uh, much higher and even subsidies for 5G infrastructure are comparable to those for fiber. Uh, So is this really the right policy? Why do we feel so strongly about 5G? when our wired fixed mobile is so much behind. We are last in the developed world. What can we do? Do you have any ideas there? I have some, but I want to hear yours. (laughs) Certainly. First of all, I
2: agree with the point that we need a full spectrum of interventions on fiber. No question. What's the issue though with, uh, A couple of the points that you mentioned. Many of these policies, like the ultra-fast broadband or the super-fast broadband uh, projects, I will explain a bit more analytically what they are, uh, were part of the European structural funds of the previous period. The problem is that because of these projects moved very, very slowly, we're actually procuring the ultra-fast broadband uh, project, which is the biggest PPP project in Greece now. We don't need uh, the RRF, the Greece 2.0 program uh, funds for this, because funds have already been appropriated for this 700 million PPP uh, through the European structural funds project of the previous period. So this took a long time to materialize, but it's ready now. Very briefly, this involves 712,000 fiber to the home lines in Greece for the so-called white areas. So this will come, let's say, uh, as an extension to the pre-existing plans of the operators, vis-a-vis FTTH. Now, what what are their plans for the next three, four years, let's say? I think that if you add them up, they involve more than 1.5 million lines, fiber-to-the-home lines, uh, according to the regulator. Uh, The exact number, of course, remains to be seen, because those plans need to materialize. But my expectation is that we will see around 1.8 million lines by by the companies and we will add this 700,000 lines of the ultra-fast broadband on top. But this is a discussion on supply. We also have demand. Again, another program, the super-fast broadband program, subsidized demand because the the speeds that you mentioned uh, also reflect the fact that on certain areas we have the capacity, but citizens are not taking advantage of the higher speeds. They are not uh, consuming them. So we need to catalyze the consumption as well. The superfast broadband, we augmented it, let's say. We we added up uh, enterprises, companies, to be able to use this subsidy. But we feel that we need to do more on subsidizing demand. And this is one of the areas where we want to focus. Now, on Greece 2.0, we have included a series of other projects, which will also enable fiber. The projects primarily are fiber readiness to the buildings, uh, because we feel that we have seen a quasi-market failure there, how on blocks of flats, let's say in densely populated areas, people do not necessarily agree upon how they can optimally split this cost. It's a cost of around a thousand euros, depending on the block of flats. So we will provide a subsidy uh, through Greece 2.0. We have added submarine cables for the Greek islands, which can be quite useful also for backhauling uh, on 5G, but it's useful per se, I think. And if you add all these elements up, uh, we have a feeling that uh, the strategy is quite uh, cohesive. Now the problem with uh, the number on how what's the data cost in Greece, I think it's a problem of marketing. Uh, th- there are many issues on the, with uh, the cost of data, but uh, in reality if you, you know if you pay your uh, phone bill in Athens, it's not 12 euros that you pay. The problem is that the telecom operators in the last years had the strategy, of using higher name prices, let's say, initially, and then using these prices with uh, vis-a-vis how they marketed uh, uh, citizens so that they can obtain their services by offering targeted discounts. So they put a price tag, and then in reality, they were offering up significant discounts to this price tag uh, in order to catalyze sales. In reality, the average cost that one can see, and one can see this quite, quite easily, how if you look at the annual records let's say on the annual financial uh, records of each one of the three telecom operators you can also see how many data uh, were provisioned and what was the revenue for this data if you make the division which is not a perfect exercise i know how many issues there are with this exercise but in reality it's not more than one 1.5 euro in reality so uh, there were things that need to be changed on this the price is higher greek taxes also play a role with regards to how this price is higher. So we need to see uh, what we can do on our front there, given the other financial and economic challenges that we have. But uh, we have a feeling that um, this strategy on fiber, which involves ultra fast broadband, super fast broadband fiber readiness and submarine cables is quite cohesive. We're focusing a bit more on our rhetoric on 5G because in reality, we feel that this is one of the things that we can deliver more quickly. We're trying to focus a bit more on uh, the here and the now with regards to what we try to convey to citizens rather than what is being designed for the coming years because you know very well that uh, when we procure a big project, it takes some time for this project uh, uh, to be materialized. I think that, that on 5G, what is interesting is that if you see the terms of the auction, Uh, the original terms changed to what uh, materialized in the end. In reality, the provision is for 60% population coverage in three years. So in around 2.5 years from now, we will have 60% population coverage of 5G. And uh, in six years, in five and a half years from now, the coverage will be 94%. So we feel that these elements, if you add them up uh, collectively, showcase an audacious policy. And obviously, there's another elephant in the room, and I'm closing my long answer with this. And the other elephant in the room is how um, we will have internet service providers from microsatellites. Uh, Starlink is uh, is launching its services in Europe, we will uh, offer those services, uh, those services will be offered in Greece as well, there are certain regulatory changes that need to be made. But even though the original price is higher than what the domestic telco operators are offering, we believe that this will add up in the competition mix. And uh, it can also be, I think, uh, to the advantage of the consumer. But obviously we're very open to hear any, any additional idea, and uh, especially from you. Uh, so if you have other uh, policy ideas on this front, uh, it would be very eager to
1: hear them both online and offline. We can take that offline, I guess. But obviously, you know, uh, providing alternative uh, paths to the home is always very important in order to have competition. We never really had competition in Greece when it comes to fixed broadband. There was never competition. There is only one way to get into the home, and that's it. Uh, nowadays, maybe you have to. Uh, hopefully, you know, millimeter wave in 5G might provide some solutions there because it definitely definitely is not going to provide any serious mobile connectivity, uh, but can do fixed wireless. Uh, but let's leave those <laughs> later on. So uh, you have an impressive, uh, you came in with an impressive uh, or very big plan, lots of services. Uh, you have implemented a lot of services in record time. Uh, can you speak a little bit to how is, can the Greek technology market, the technology providers overall the environment, can, can it provide all these services? Are we hitting a wall there? I mean we are always promoting Greece as a place that has lots of engineers that can work for you know uh, a fraction of what uh, they are uh, counterparts in Silicon Valley can do. However, uh, us who are a little bit more involved (laughs) with Greece know that there is a shortage of talent. You can't find enough talent to implement all these services. You have procurement issues that get uh, provide impediments. So can you comment a little bit on how you were able to do that and whether you can keep up the pace? I think
2: that uh... In reality, the procurement issues and let's move a step back before we came in. I mean, we had the chance to discuss this uh, between ourselves in the past uh, as well. Before we came in, uh, if one asked me what are the key challenges moving forward vis-a-vis your plan, I would say the first challenge is, as you very well said, the procurement timeframe. And the second challenge, I would say that it would be the delta, uh, the opportunity cost for someone prior to going to the, the spirit of your question. The opportunity cost between the private and the public sector because we need to be able to attract talent in the public sector because some of these services not everything can be outsourced right we need capacity building and we have tried to do extensive capacity building as you know um, in many organizations of this ministry and we need to find a way to be able to remunerate the people who are offering these uh, these services to us so i felt that those two things were the primary let's say challenges moving forward in reality i think that we we sort of innovated ourselves out of this uh, to the extent that we could um, many of the projects involved us fully mapping the internal capabilities of the state so we had many public sector entities which have talent which have talented people and who could write code uh, who knew how to create services both in the general secretariat for information systems at uh, Ithika, the social security uh, digital organizations, there were specific people whom we know personally, who have created some of these services. So let's say this was the, the capacity building element, how we've invested in these people and made them part of our team. The second element was focusing on small projects so far, because depending in accordance with the procurement laws, there are certain projects which can be done very quickly, uh, you know, within a month or two months, you can assign who is responsible for the project, and you can receive it, a small platform, or some of these services, you know, they're quite small coding ways They don't require significant effort. You can actually uh, do it that way. We leveraged old pre existing contracts where we tried to get uh, man hours uh, from from these contracts in order to have uh, specific services provided to us. And then obviously, we also tried to procure the big projects with the specific challenges that you mentioned. Now. The the core element of what you're saying is, I think, the challenge of Greece 2.0, right? Because in a domestic market where you have digital in the 150 million euros, 200 million euros, let's say, there, there is a specific number assigned to the domestic market. It changes depending on who measures and what you measure. Uh, This market is about to become much bigger, uh, as we will be leveraging this 25% almost of Greece 2.0 on uh, digital and telecommunications projects. What we're seeing so far, and I have to say that I'm quite optimistic, is that many pre-existing players are recruiting. Uh, Companies that previously up until recently focused mostly on consulting have been recruiting uh, talent on digital. This is being viewed as an opportunity especially by Greeks abroad, I would say, uh, to re-examine the possibility of uh, moving back home. But in reality, it's an open-ended question. Uh, My feeling is that the market will adapt because there is a significant uh, financial opportunity there. Right? We will be procuring significant projects on the digital sphere. And this opportunity will will need to be met. So I have a feeling that it will be met. Uh, I don't see uh, the domestic players of the digital market not building up their capacities in any possible way, perhaps with international collaborations, right? In any possible manner. So, uh, in reality though, I think this will be the KPI of our success, of our potential success in the coming years.
1: The questions are coming in the order uh, of your priorities in the digitalstrategy.gov.gr. So people are asking about what you are doing to build digital capacity on the demand side, on the population, on the citizenry. Uh, I know the answer, but <laughs> I've seen the answer. But please, uh, do say a few things about this.
2: Again, moving a step back, uh, on everything that we're trying to do, we're trying to fo- we're trying to have an agile philosophy. Uh, we're trying to create a minimum viable product, launch it as quickly as we can in order to showcase uh, uh, the service. And then we're trying to build on that service. Gov.gr is a new entity, right? It started with 500 services. It will, ha- it has 1, 1150 now. But this will, services will continue being added up there, and it's a new construction. Uh, the answer there is obviously reskilling. Uh, first of all, prior to prior to reskilling, though. I think that there are a couple of points that need to be met there, because it's not only about skills, it's also about accepting these services. It's about trust. Um, it's about being accustomed to these services. I think that the way in which, for instance, we developed our vaccination platform uh, is showcasing to the general population in Greece what we're overall hoping to do with the Greek state, because at the, especially at the beginning, people were quite, uh, I have to say, surprised by the fact that uh, they could book their appointment uh, uh, for the vaccine easily through a platform, that they didn't uh, witness uh, significant lines of people uh, in the vaccination centers and that the process was overall very well conducted. Uh, This is a manifestation, it's an MVP. It's a manifestation of what can be done overall. So, accustoming people with uh, with this change is important by itself. Second, designing the platforms as easily as, as easy as possible, as user friendly as possible. The UX needs to be, as one would say, uh, the best possible UX is also significant because it, I mean you have done the exercise yourself, right? Compare one of the platforms that we have deployed, the new ones at gov.gr, the aesthetics of the platform, the UX of the platform, the UI of the platform. Compare it with something deployed five years ago, or seven or ten years ago. Aesthetics wise, it's, it's a leap. It's a big change. It's not a change technologically, it is but it's small, the big change is in how the platforms work. So you need to be able to do all these things. And then once you have done the best job that you can on your side, uh, I think that then you need to be able to provide the tools uh, to the people that need them in order to uh, obtain those digital skills now on skills. The MVP, the minimum viable product has been the National Digital Academy is being offered. Uh, it's offering up uh, content for free. It's through the government portal, nationaldigitalacademy.gov.gr. A very simple idea, again, uh, content for free by domestic institutions, either private or public, either university institutions or even uh, companies on a full spectrum of topics on digital, from how to use a search engine to how to learn to code in Python with a self assessment -assessment test vis-a-vis what you need or what you want to obtain and uh, the platform guiding you accordingly but obviously this is not a silver bullet it's just the first step Um, in reality there we need to provide the full spectrum of targeted programs we we have actually designed these programs in Greece 2.0 there one also needs to take I think account of the fact that the private sector has traditionally been, been better than states uh, on uh, how they tailor reskilling projects, uh, overall not only in Greece, I think that overall one needs to reconsider, I mean I even saw uh, for instance uh, my old department at MIT uh, focusing and pitching a lot the micro master's degree or targeted skills project, targeted projects rather than the master's degree which I did uh, 15 years ago. Uh, so there is a philosophical change thinking, you know this much better than what I do. Uh, There is a philosophical change uh, taking place right now overall in the university systems as technology is being accelerated and as life expectancy is increasing, education is moving more towards uh, reskilling and more towards targeted programs as you will be changing careers uh, many times in your life. So we need to be, I think, very diligent uh, vis-a-vis how we design uh, these targeted programs to give you one example. Uh, of uh, our line of thinking uh, there is a, a project which i'm quite fond of that we're designing together with the minister of defense mr panagotopoulos uh, with regards to the national army service in greece we feel that uh, the, this one year uh, can also be a burning platform a boot camp for skills uh, this was the narrative of our grandfathers right uh, that uh, even in the past that the army was a mechanism where they could learn from how to drive uh, to how to become cooks to obtain a specific skill, which can be useful throughout your life. Of course, this is 2021. So we need on top of these skills that existed in the past to add a full spectrum of digital skills or other skills that one can obtain in a certified manner uh, during this one year. I feel that this is a good example, but obviously we need to design a couple of other projects as well, especially for the non-skilled at all. Uh, and uh, we're seeing a lot of what uh, Scandinavian countries have done on that front. Uh, to programs that are more targeted in the SME sphere, in the in the sphere of uh, businesses, etc. We have included many of these projects in Greece 2.0, uh, and uh, we're quite keen to see them initiate.
1: May I suggest something else, because we are always talking about reskilling, however, you were able to achieve a lot of the things you achieved because you found the skills already in the public sector. and. Uh, maybe in our field, it's kind of easy, it's obvious, but in a lot of other fields, it's not. And I don't think we have a registry of what skills, for example, <laughs> all the employees of the public sector have and how these skills can be reused and be more productively, uh, you know, uh, deployed. Uh, it, there is a lot of uh, discussion and uh, uh, the complaints that I've heard about the new services usually come. Uh, I've heard very little, but the ones that I've heard either come from people Greeks living abroad who try to, <laughs> you know, interact with the systems, or from permanent residents, foreigners that live permanently in Greece, trying to interact with the system. So, as we know, and as you said, in every service design, there has to be a help desk element. Can you comment a little bit on? your efforts on improving the overall health desk capacity of uh, gov.gr?
2: I have to say that I fully endorse, endorse uh, this line of criticism because in reality, it's, it's, it's the, the same thing we're doing internally. We're, co- we're continuously looking for feedback in order to fix the feedback loop, right? To, to fix the service. So we know, for instance, that gov.gr, for instance, needs to be translated in many languages. It needs to be accessible as you said by permanent residents in a much better manner than what it is today but uh, we very well know obviously in this very dense and short period of time one needs to focus efforts uh, explicitly where uh, the highest need exists and uh, given the fact that we also had uh, to focus on pandemic management uh, in this last uh, year uh, the focus obviously needed to be more uh, urgent on uh, specific fronts but that being said We understand that we need a help desk. Those elements though are, I think, also the element that you mentioned before, by the way, this market for skills within the public sector. I think it's a very good idea because we procured uh, the HRMS system, which we have been discussing in Greece, as you very well know, for for more than a decade. Uh, We already procured it. The Greek public sector will uh, obtain its own HR management system And I think it's a very good idea to include in this system, this element that you mentioned, because it's not only about uh, the official education that you have uh, received, it's also about the skills that you possess. So this should also be an element of the system, but the system is, I think, on on good tracks. Along similar lines, uh, the help desk is part, let's say, of the bigger version of Gov.gr, of the Gr which we're planning to procure in the context of what we call the CRMS, uh, the citizen relationship management system and there a help a uh, help desk with a more traditional facet to a certain extent with using also a call center there as well should be an element of the project but we view certain elements of these projects to be i would say better fits to larger projects that we are procuring which are which have uh, i think a more cohesive nature rather than a quick win, because obviously, for the quick wins that we're trying to to achieve, we have uh, the procurement constraints that you mentioned before, uh, and uh, uh, the capacity constraints that exist domestically. And in order to use a help desk, we need uh, to outsource this capability. So we view this as uh, a core part of an overall project.
1: Uh, Greece, uh, especially in the information uh, technology or the Greek state in the information technology domain is full of uh, Arta bridges. Uh, so uh, one of them is for example. Uh, can you say a few things about progress that has been made or hopefully has been made in finishing all of these big registries and also uh, Based on that, uh, tell us what you would like to leave for your eventual success or sometime far in the future. Uh, what would you like to leave to the next person to build upon, to the next team to build upon?
2: As you very well mentioned, the cadaster has been a challenge for Greece, I think, since King Otto, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, so far, 33% uh, of uh, the overall uh, land of Greece has been uh, completed ca- on a cadastral basis. We want to conclude it. We want to, we want to complete the job. Uh, and uh, this might sound audacious, uh, but I think it's quite realistic to say that we will conclude it. We started, I think, with a significant reform using digital technologies. By the way, uh, in the last government uh, reshuffle that we had in January, and this is why you're also posing the question, the Cadaster moved here from the Ministry of Energy and Environment. It's part now of the Ministry of Digital uh, Governance. Why? Because we view this as a digital work, effectively, right? Uh, that it, the services of the Cadaster should be offered digitally to lawyers, to engineers, to the citizens themselves who want to have access to the d- details of their properties. So what did we do? The first reform that we did was opening up the existing cadaster, the 33% that has been uh, already completed, to everybody. They have different viewing rights. If you're a lawyer, you can see different things compared to if you're an engineer or just a homeowner or a landowner. But uh, already uh, the services of the cadastre are being uh, offered and they're being offered for free. This is the first chapter. We plan to do a significant reform in the next couple of months. I can't say more about this right now, but we plan to make a significant legal intervention with regards to the cadaster uh, in order to accelerate the completion. But also, we need a significant digitization effort in order, in order to complete it. And by digitization, I don't mean uh, the creation of information systems, because I, I would say that actually the, the Greek cadaster has one of the best digital services in Greece within the Greek public sector. I mean the very simple action of putting paper into data. Believe it or not, I mean, you have seen Greece 2.0. Apart from us conducting this thorough gap analysis and developing systems, wherever systems were missing, et cetera, we realized that part of the fact if we view this as a mathematical function, uh, it's not only about creating the function, which is the system. It's also about having the inputs, the X, not only the F of X and the inputs are uh, those significant tons of data uh, but in paper form right now being fed in the information system. So we need a significant digitization effort. Where do we need this? We primarily need this in the cadastre We need this in the pension system because it's part of the reason why we're very late uh, at issuing pensions uh, for Greek citizens. We need this in the justice system. Uh, we need this in the health system in order to fully deploy electronic patient records. Uh, And we need this in a spectrum of other activities as well. So a big part of the budget of Greece 2.0 involves this very simple task, turning paper into data. So one of the first projects that are going to be procured by Greece 2.0, actually in the next couple of weeks, is this digitization of the cadaster. So I think that this will be, let's say, the end project. overall, which will complete the cadastral process. Because when we have digitized all available pieces of information and the lawyer can have access to even very old files and even in the Dodecanese, which was the last part, let's say, uh, to be included uh, in uh, Greek territories, uh, it, then we will have a cadastral that's fully functioning. But I think that if you speak to lawyers domestically or to engineers, even this very first action that we made opening up the existing data has proven to be significant for them, and especially for not having to visit uh, the cadastral offices. Uh, it's again thousands of visits being eliminated. Now, the million dollar, the million dollar question, I think, is the, the, the last one that you raised is uh, what one seeks uh, to leave uh, uh, to endow uh, the one successor. Um, I have a feeling that um, if we manage uh, to procure all these projects in time, and we have a one-year time frame to procure them, not uh, to receive the end result, just to procure them to initiate the process. And uh, if my team and I manage to complete uh, a full spectrum of services that we have in mind, which I can mention one by one, but there are many, um, I'll just point out a few, um, an app for Greek citizens, which will initiate your patient record file, what data, the data that we already have on your e-prescription system, the same data that we used in order to prioritize citizens on the basis of their health conditions for the vaccine, each citizen should have access to his or her data. So we will develop an app there. Uh, We will also digitize the process of uh, renewing your driver's license, obtaining your driver's license, et cetera, this will be done before before August. Uh, If we complete a series of, let's say, I would say a chunk of 50 significant life events, like the one that we deliver today, visiting a bank, then I think together with the procurement of all those new projects will be, let's say the conclusion of one cycle. I think that the key ambition here is that my successor doesn't have to speak so much about uh, the outstanding uh, issues of the third industrial revolution, but focus much more on AI uh, and uh, a full spectrum of elements of the fourth industrial revolution.
1: Well, uh, I... You gave me the pass, I mean, I was going to skip that, but I'm looking forward to the day where I will be able to renew my, or issue a new driver's license without having to bring the photographs myself. Like uh, the first project I was professionally involved in the United States was the registry of motor vehicles here in Massachusetts digitizing the capture of the image in situ on the site. And uh, That was 1993. So when I will be able to issue a driver's license or a boat license, by the way, I don't know if they can still print them, but I still waiting to get my boat license, which I renewed about three years ago and there was no media to print them. <laughs> That's- uh, uh, but uh, I understand what you have. Uh, we we all should understand what you are uh, embarked on is a Herculean task, and it will take some time for all the pieces to fall in place. But certainly, we can say that we're in the right trajectory. Uh, I will. My last question has to do since we didn't speak a lot about uh, you know helping businesses. Uh, one of the main reasons that the environment for doing business in Greece is not exactly very well accepted internationally is the legal system. And can't help it, but notice that in the Greece 2.0 plan, uh, less than 1% of the funds are allocated in improving the justice system. Uh, Can you tell us at least uh, when it came to fiber infrastructure, you told me that there is, you know, a lot of other actions that had happened before. So there was no so much need for uh, uh, structural funds to be allocated for GRISP 2.0. I haven't seen anything done before in justice. Tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me what you have done about speeding up the justice systems in Greece. What I can say,
2: by the way, I have to say well, that one of the things that we plan to do before the, before the summer um, is uh, creating the possibility of divorcing digitally if there is consent <laughs> between, uh, between the, the couple. Uh, and actually in Estonia, you can't divorce digitally. In Greece, you will be able to do that. Uh, but. Uh, Joking aside, uh, and we're actually planning to deliver the service, it has already been uh, announced by the Minister of Justice. But uh, apart from this, we have, I think, a couple of projects on Greece 2.0 on digital justice, which I feel can be quite instrumental, because um, we have actually one of the biggest ICT projects uh, of integration, one of the biggest information systems that we will deploy, will be one on the justice system. Both for um, administrative justice and penal justice. So we're actually t- conducting a thorough gap analysis on all the systems that are missing. And uh, we we'll plan to deliver systems so that data, so that information can flow digitally throughout the justice system. And once you have digitized, you can monitor. Once you can digitize, you can measure. Once you can digitize, you can assess. And assessing, monitoring, and measuring, I think, is the core tenet of policy, right? So uh, this will be done. The second part that will be done will also be the digitization of records. As I mentioned before, this will happen in the justice system. It's also included in in the plan. Uh, And finally, it's also the automatic uh, recording of everything that's being uh, discussed uh, in the court of law. This will also be another digital project included. I think that all these projects done collectively together with uh, uh, the reform activity done by the minister of justice and his team can prove, uh, can showcase significant progress on that front. I'm actually optimistic there as well. Uh, And um, we have tried to simplify also the processes of the justice system a little bit. Uh, Together with the Ministry of Justice, uh, a couple of weeks back, we made a simplification, a non-digital simplification, a physical simplification. 25 different forms were merged into a single form. And we felt that this was also interesting symbolically. Because there is still a lot of paperwork in Greece, especially within the justice system, that needs to be simplified. And part of what creates the burden are the processes themselves. And since we are uh, the ministry responsible for service design and processes, we're trying to focus on this uh, as much as we can.
1: And uh, since, I mean, we could have been here for a much longer session, but uh, we have to respect your time too. Uh, I want to close on a positive note. Uh, We won't have time to answer every question uh, here. Uh, The minister addressed the issue about design, and it's something that they are addressing. I see a question on the chat. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the, very quickly, about A, the National ID project, the progress on that, and what you are looking forward, what we should be looking forward in the immediate future. What are the projects that are more dear to you? Very epigrammatically,
2: very briefly. Uh, The project on the national ID, it's three projects. It's not one project effectively. The first is the procurement of the IDs. This is happening by the Ministry of Citizen Protection. What's the model there? It's the Estonian model, right? We're trying to obtain similar ID cards. They will involve, they will have digital signatures. They will also have an application layer. So, So let's say this is the easier part of the equation. The second part of the equation is a unique number for citizens. We voted the law. What remains is that we need to develop the modality, the presidential decree, uh, where we outline how this unique number will work. Actually, the vaccination process has proven to be instrumental there because we have a full spectrum of numbers in Greece, Uh, the social security number, the national ID number, Uh, the tax number, and we have seen how people are written differently in different databases and how these databases need to somehow be cohesive, they need need to be synchronized. So this process has already initiated. And the third project, it's not about the ID itself. It's about creating a wallet of IDs, which is the European policy overall. It's how you you identify yourself vis-a-vis the state digitally. The concept of the national ID is a concept from the previous decades. It was a unique source of truth. Uh, We believe in many sources of truth and depending on your credentials, you can have different, let's say, levels of access to information. So in Greece, for instance, right now, you use the credentials of the tax system to go to services of a certain level. We accept the credentials of the banks as very secure uh, and we accept access to another level. Perhaps the ID, as we transition from something uh, you know, to something you have, to something you are, which is the the transition of the ID system, as we will be developing those systems, I think that as a state and overall in Europe as a union, we will accept a wallet of potential IDs with different layers of service, a very, I think, uh, uh, IT-based approach. And uh, now to answer the last question, uh, I have to say that the projects that are dear to my heart are actually the small projects, the, the ones that one might not notice. Uh, the driver's licenses, by the way, I will give you a timeline within the next three months, we will have a solution on renewing your driver's license. Um, and But this is a project that's very dear to me, I have to say. But many other small projects uh, are quite dear. Um, The uh, project on uh, the patient records on your phone uh, is one of these projects. It it will be ready very soon in some weeks Uh, or, you know, even very simple projects Uh, to to, to give one example. uh, The ambassador mentioned at the beginning, my Consul live consulate serving citizens as we speak right now, right? You book an appointment and you book it digitally. We felt overall. That wherever we don't have automated processes, wherever we don't have comprehensive information systems that interoperate and can speak well to each other. What we can do is to hack quote unquote uh, this process and just do something very simple: integrate a video conference. Uh, where you can we can at least eliminate the, visit, the physical visit, we did that with the citizen service centers we did that with the consulates. We're doing it with the tax authority for one service, but we will augment it. We're doing it with uh, uh, the employment uh, service, the uh, employment, the National Employment Organization in Greece. We will do it with the cadaster. it's one of the, the next services. And you know, something as simple as that can be extremely instrumental for the diaspora, can be extremely instrumental for the working parent, can be extremely instrumental for people with disabilities. Each service eliminated is time well spent, Uh, so in this regard uh, we have around I would say 20 quick wins uh, as we call them until uh, the summer together with a couple of legal uh, uh, innovations that we're hoping to advance, which uh, collectively we're quite uh, excited about.
1: Well, uh, I don't know what exactly you would leave for your successor, but I definitely know what you have already left behind for the Greek society. And it is uh, the sense that really we can improve a lot. And digital services can improve life a lot. And you did that. And that comes from somebody who lived in a uh, lab whose motto was for a very long time, demo or die. This, is, this went well beyond the demo at this point in time. This had real effects on life improvement. And very, very few people, very few of your colleagues will have the opportunity to do that. I hope they learn something from you. I'm waiting for the next, for the Minister of Interior who will, uh, you know, so, uh, so public servants that they have to be servants first and employees second. I'm looking for the Minister Of education, who can finally explain to the Greek society, the difference between education and professional training, Uh, but you know we all have to start somewhere and you provided that start with that I have to pass. uh, The floor to Vasilis to close this event minister, thank you very much keep going on.
2: Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with you and for the opportunity to address the hellenic innovation network and i'm very much looking forward for the next meeting to be conducted perhaps face to face in the united states i would be delighted to have the opportunity to visit the u.s again it has been quite some time um, and i think it will be a great opportunity to meet uh, many old friends
3: thank you minister uh, thank you michael for the great discussion on uh, uh, digital transformation this uh uh, session uh, is very fit uh, as an opening to the next one, which is scheduled for June 10, and the question that we, we would like to have answered is why set up shop in Greece? And we know that without uh, all these digital services, uh, new companies will make it more difficult Uh, to set up shop uh, in Greece, and and for that reason, we have invited uh, Mr Patelis, the Chief Economist of uh, the Prime Minister's Office, and a few other people that they have already uh, set up shop uh, in Greece, uh, like uh, Mr Garibaldi uh, from Pfizer. Um, The next event uh, is MIT Enterprise Forum Greece, uh, the finals that they are scheduled for early July. We have a cohort right now that is closing up the semi-final round, 30 great teams, many of them coming from the deep technology sector, uh, and we are really amazed by what is happening and and how many people are moving from the research to the market. So I will invite you to join both organizations' uh, emailing list uh, at hellenic.org and mitefgrease.org to keep abreast of the things that we're planning for the near future. Thank you. Have a great night.